Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series on the book of Ephesians. In today's lesson, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. We're going to be seeing the shield of faith. This is the armor of God part 2. We've already looked at three pieces of armor. Now we're looking at a fourth. Next week we'll be looking at a few more. But today as we focus on the shield of faith, we can see that God's plan for our life is joy and peace despite our circumstances. And when we correctly wield the shield of faith, we can have that peace and joy. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, we'll open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be on verse 16 this week. We're going to be looking at the armor of God part 2, the shield of faith. We're going to be looking at the shield of faith today. We've already looked at three pieces of the armor. Uh, Now we turn to the fourth piece and my personal favorite, the shield of faith. So what does it mean to take up the shield of faith? That's what we're going to look at today. And I love this piece of armor because God has taught me to use it. And um, I'm continuing to learn to use it. And so I just love uh, this piece of armor. But let's go ahead and read it and then we'll dive in to this verse. This is verse 16 in Ephesians chapter 6. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith which with, with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil, evil one. Alright, so when talking about the shield of faith, Paul uses the word for a heavy oblong shield. There are several shields that the Romans would use. Uh, there is a small uh, circular shield that they would use. I can't remember the name of it, but it started with a C. Uh, and then there was the big legionnaire shields, the big square ones that you see a lot of times. And this one was the oblong, kind of oval-shaped shield. Uh, the Greek word was thutas, and I can't even say that word. Uh, even though I'm taking Greek, I still can't say it, but that's the Greek word for it. And the Greek word actually means door. It's the Greek word for door. And the Romans used this to describe the shield because of its size and its dimensions and just the way that it covered them. So this is the shield that Paul was talking about when he uses an illustration for the shield of faith. These shields were made of several materials, uh, but the the majority of it was made out of leather. Okay, And if this leather was not maintained on a daily basis by a soldier, it would become dry. And what happens when leather gets dry? It gets cracked, it gets brittle, um, and it can be broken. And so what these soldiers would do as part of their routine would be to let, uh, to oil sorry, their, their shields and to maintain them, keep them well by using this oil um, on the leather parts of the shield. And so that way when they went into battle, they wouldn't take up the shield and run out into battle. And then first thing that hits their shield, it breaks their shield. And then they're defenseless without the shield and so they wanted to maintain it they wanted to keep it up to date and they also needed to practice with it okay they need to practice with it um these shields aren't i mean none of us probably here really use shields all that much um if at all today i don't really use shields at all but like anything else like basketball or any sport or um really anything any instrument you have to practice with it to be good at it. And the same thing was with the shield. Sometimes we think of the shield and we think, oh, you just pick that shield up and you run into battle with it, and boom, you can use that shield. It's a great defense for you. Just pick it up and go use it. And that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. You have to strengthen your arm. There's 
certain muscles that you would use for this uh, shield in order to hold it up. There's certain muscles that you use. You'd also uh, have to practice wielding it, whether it was a small big shield or a big shield. You'd have to practice using it, turning it, angling it the right way in order to block things that are coming your way. And the Romans were really good at that, right? I mean, there is times throughout history we see that their discipline outweighed everybody else. Their discipline outweighed everybody else. I mean, if you think about the armies back in that day, many of the barbaric armies that they took over, they fought in hordes. So they'd send their army down, rushing down, first one to get there, uh, got the glory, right? <clears throat> and they'd run down into battle, and they'd start hacking at each other. Uh, but the Romans came along, and they had discipline, they had ranks, they had uh, strategic movements. And so each one of these soldiers uh, had different, uh, not different, had the same commands, and they would have command one, and they'd do this, command two, they'd do this. So they were very disciplined in what they did, and they had to practice that, and they had to practice with their shields. Um, and even the barbarians had to practice with their shields to get good with them. But these guys, the Romans, they were known for this rigid discipline uh, in their daily life that would not only maintain their shield, but practice with it and make it useful during battle. So this is the shield that Paul is talking about when he says, take up your shield of faith. And he's using this shield to illustrate the daily faith that we should have in the power and love of God. And we're going to talk about more about that in a minute. Okay, but the first point that we're going to look at today, we've got three points we're going to look at. The first one is the definition of the shield. The definition of the shield. Now the shield is the shield of faith. So we're going to look at the definition of faith. What is faith? What is faith? That's the question. Now I love Hebrews 11. Uh, I love the whole thing, but Hebrews 11, 1 I love because it gives us a definition of faith. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Okay, the assurance or the confidence of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. Uh, so it, if we look into the future, we can't see it, and hope refers to something in the future. Okay, so there's these things in the future that we are confident and assured and have proof of. Um, or it could also be things in the past, right? The things in the past we can't see, Okay? And so there are things in the past that we can have assurance of. So like God created the world. We know that. We are confident in that. We, have, uh, we even have evidence of that. But we know these things. We, I know that I have eternal life because I believed in Jesus for that. I believe that Jesus and I know that Jesus will return one day. These are assurance, confidence in the things that are hoped for, in the things that I know will happen, in the, in the things that I can't see. So faith is confidence in something that we don't necessarily see. I, and um, we need to make a distinction here as we go through this, though, because really there's, I, I see faith in two different ways, or two different types of faith, if you will. Uh, the first one that I want to mention, and this is one we always think of, it's salvific faith. Salvific faith. Salvific faith is what most people think of, or a lot of people anyway think of, when they think of faith. And this brings peace with God. Peace with God. Okay, this is when we place our faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life, we get eternal life. It's a one-time thing. Okay, it's a one-time thing. I place my faith in Jesus Christ, or I believe in Jesus Christ to give me that eternal life. He gives it to me, and now I have peace with God. I can have that relationship with God because before that, okay, before that, I don't have Christ's righteousness. Okay, I don't have peace with God in that way. And so now, as I believe in Jesus for eternal life, I have that peace with God. And that's a one-time thing. 
Okay, and although this faith should be continued throughout our life as believers, it is a one-time thing that saves the soul from eternal damnation. You, you do one time. Here's several verses that back it up. John 3, 15 and 16, So that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life, for in this way God loved the world so that He gave His one and only Son, in order that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. We believe in Him, we have eternal life. That's what He told Nicodemus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we just went through this not that long ago. For by grace you're saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not a result of works so no one can boast. It's not works, it's literally believing in Him, and He gives you the gift of eternal life. <clears throat> Romans 4, 5 is another great one. But to the one who does not work, interesting here, the one who does not work, but the one who believes in the, uh, in the one who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Okay, the object of faith is Jesus Christ. The result is eternal life. Through this faith, we receive Christ's righteousness and are at peace with God. Okay, Just like the first three chapters uh, in Ephesians talks about, Paul talks about who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ. We're heirs, we're children, we're all these things. right? That is a salvific faith. It's a faith that saves us from eternal damnation, from eternal separation from God because of our sin, because of Adam's sin, and, and then ours, we are bound for eternal separation. Yet, Christ came down, He died, He rose again. Because of that, He offers us eternal life. He's uniquely qualified to offer us that, and He does. And He offers it through belief in Him, through eternal life. That's salvific faith. That's a one-time thing that we do. There's another kind of faith, though. You can call it sanctification faith, if you will. Sanctification faith. This is what people use all the time, every day. And uh, it's what needs to be renewed on a daily basis okay, in our lives. And it brings the peace of God. The peace of God. The peace of God is different than peace with God. Peace with God happens when we have salvific faith. Okay, we're now at peace with God. Our relationship is restored. Peace, uh, the peace of God, like Philippians <clears throat> uh, 4, 6, and 7 talks about, it, we don't always have it as believers. Even as believers, we don't always have it. Uh, but we can. We can. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we can have the peace of God in our lives. And we want the peace of God. And God wants us to have peace every day. He wants us to have the peace uh, that He brings. But this comes from a sanctification faith, not a salvific faith. Okay, This is um, not a one-time thing. This is something you do over and over and over and over and over again. It's a continual process. So what are some verses that talk about this? Probably the most uh, famous one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Or He will direct your path. I love this verse. One of my favorites. Uh, Brent just did a, a lesson in Grow Group on it, and uh, it's on podcast, by the way on Stillwater Bible Podcast. You can go listen to that. It's a great lesson over it. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is not talking about how you can be saved from eternal damnation. It's talking about how we need to trust in God's power and His love, His protection. We have to trust these things on a daily basis. And when we do that, and we're not leaning on our own understanding, okay, and we're acknowledging Him and trusting Him, then He's going to direct us. He's going to guide us. Okay, Psalm 37, 5. Commit to Yahweh your way. Trust also in Him, and He will act. That's not talking about salvific faith. That's talking about trust in Him. Um, uh, sanctification faith on a daily basis. James. I love James. I studied it a lot. Uh, we went through it this 
think last two summers ago or something like that. But anyway, I loved studying James. And when I got to chapter 2, you know, a lot of people interpret this a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, they'll say this, they'll say that, they'll say, you know, this means that you have to have works and, and uh, faith in order to have salvific faith. And they'll say this and that. And, and I think a lot of it boils down to the fact that we're not looking at faith the right way here. Okay, look at this. This is James 20, or 2, 22 and 23. It says, You see that faith was working together with his works, and by the works were perfected by the faith. Um, and the scripture is fulfilled when it said, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Now, what, what most people don't realize here is that there's two quotes here, not just one. Okay, the first one everybody knows, and it's put in quotations in our Bibles in the English translations, but the other one's not in the English translations. Uh, but they both should be in the English translations because they're both quotes. Uh, but the first one is, Abraham believed God and was credited to him for righteousness. And what kind of faith is that? Salvific faith. It's salvific faith, right? You believe in God, and he credits you Christ's righteousness, right? That's salvific faith. But then it says, and to James's point and to what he's talking about, he was called a friend of God. So not only had uh, Abraham believed in the coming Messiah, James says, and received the righteousness of Christ through that, not only had he done that, he was also called a friend of God. Quote from Isaiah, I believe, 48. I haven't looked it up. I didn't look it up this week uh, when I was studying, but I believe it's Isaiah 48, like 40 verse 8 maybe. Uh, but either way, um, he quotes Isaiah when uh, Abraham was called a friend of God. You don't become uh, known as God's friend, the one who is God's friend or the close one to God as Abraham was without sanctification faith. Okay, without sanctification. We're, we're God's children. We're God's heirs with salvific faith. Okay, but that fellowship, that friend of God, that comes through sanctification faith. And I think, you know, and we're not talk, we're not teaching James here, but you know what? Sanctification faith, you know, it, it brings works, and, and without works, it's it's nothing, you know. Um, and Abraham, you know, he had that relationship with God that comes through sanctification faith, through trusting God on a daily basis, through trusting God on a daily basis, and so. Um, Another one, another verse we can look at, Hebrews 11, 8 and 9. The whole chapter 11 is talking about faith, right? Uh, but it's sanctification faith. I mean, it, it, most of it is talking about sanctification faith. It also talks a little bit about salvation faith, if I remember right. But look at this, Hebrews 11, 8 and 9. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to obey, to go out of that place, he was going to receive an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived in a land of promise as a stranger, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the fellow heirs, the same promise, for he was expecting a city and foundation whose architect and builder is God. What's he, what's he trusting in? Well, I mean, he trusted in the coming Messiah. We know that. But here he's trusting that God has built a house for him in heaven or built a city for him in heaven. Uh, you can also look at 11.16. Hebrews 11.16 talk about that. So he believes here, hey, I believe in the afterlife. I believe God will provide a way for us. And think about this. Abraham didn't always have sanctification faith. Okay, Abraham always didn't have, didn't always have sanctification. Think about it. when he went from the land of Ur, Ur the Chaldeans, and he left his home, his family, and everything he knew to go to a land which God showed him. Is he showing sanctification faith there? Yeah, yeah, he's trusting that God will provide, protect, 
that God loves him, that God's going to tell the truth, and he's, a, and he's a, not a liar. He's trusting God in all those areas. He's trusting who God is there. Think about when he went to Egypt a little bit later on. He went to Egypt, and did he trust God there? No, he didn't. He didn't. Why? Remember, he went, he went to Egypt, and he was scared of Pharaoh and the Egyptians because his wife, uh, Sarah, was beautiful. And so he's afraid that they would kill him to take his wife. So he said, hey, let's lie and say that you're my sister. Why does he, why does he do that? Because he doesn't trust that God's going to protect him. Provide. He knows that God is going to provide a great nation through him. He's not going to die. He's not going to die. God's going to provide a great nation through him. He's already told him that. But he doesn't trust God on a daily basis. He doesn't use a sanctification faith in that instance. So this is something that we have to do all the time. It's not just a one-time thing. Sometimes people call it trust instead of faith or whatever. Uh, but it's vital for every believer. And what Paul is talking about here is, is super vital. I have another verse, Job 19, 25-26. This again shows us both salvific faith and sanctification faith. It says, But I myself know that my Redeemer lives. And at last will stand. I uh, and at last he will stand upon the earth. Sorry, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, but from my flesh I will see God. So what are you saying here? He says, "Well, I know my redeemer lives." Okay. Well, first off, at some point, Job has already believed in the coming Messiah, and at this point, it would be maybe the seed of woman, or the uh, seed of Abraham, maybe because of the time period, uh, but. For sure, seed of woman. He knows that there's going to be somebody that's going to crush the head of Satan. Uh, he knows that based on uh, what Adam has told, word of mouth to this point. And so he knows this, and he has already believed in that. And he also believes that Jesus is going to stand upon the earth. He also believes that his skin, will, uh, even though it will be destroyed... His flesh will see God. So even though Job's skin might be destroyed, his flesh, well, how can your skin be destroyed and your flesh see God? He believes in resurrection. See, he, that's a trust in what God is saying. It's trusting God's promises, His power, His love. It's trusting all those things. It's, it's that sanctification faith. But He also had, and we know, uh, salvific faith too. And so we just need to make sure that we understand, we define faith as we're going into this because Somebody might say, well, I have faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life, so I have the shield of faith up. You know, and, and I don't think that's what Paul is talking about here. I think he's talking about sanctification faith. Because you don't, you don't have to maintain your, your shield of faith if it's salvific faith. You don't have to take it up every day. You already have it. It's already there. It's already up. Right? No one can take you out of the Father's hand. No one's able to do that. And you have this salvation. It's there. So you don't have to take it up every day. Um, in the same way that you have to take up sanctification faith every single day. Man, and if you don't, if I don't, then all these things come. So number two, that was number one. Number one is defining the shield. Number two is wielding the shield. Wielding the shield. I really had to uh, figure out how to spell wielding. That's a hard word to spell here. Uh, but I finally, after some Googling, figured out how to spell it. So God, glad we got that taken care of. But the wielding of the shield is number two. And uh, again, it's still in verse 16, obviously. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which you, with which you would be able to extinguish all the flaming airs of the evil one. So he says we got to take it up. That's the wielding part. right? That's the being ready uh, to, to block those fiery darts. 
Now, since Paul is talking about sanctification faith here, let's talk about how we can wield it, how we can use the shield, how we can use it. When I think of using a shield well or wielding a shield, I think of Captain America, right? His awesome round shield. Uh, he's got that small shield. He uses it to perfection, right? He blocks everything. He uses it even as a weapon, right? He throws it and uses it as a weapon. Uh, he's just so, so good at blocking it, using it, and doing all that. But considering the use of shields and looking how we use it, uh, one is not expected to be able to wield a shield without practice. Okay, and we must think of this when we're using the shield of faith as well. Okay, in, in the little areas of our life. And we're going to talk about what this wielding or taking up looks like in just a second. But you got to think about practicing it too. Like, you got to think about using the shield of faith even if, like, you're not feeling super anxious or you're not feeling super depressed or you're not feeling super angry or you're not feeling this or that or what fearful or whatever, even if you're not in that moment feeling that horribleness, you still need to take up the shield of faith. You can still do that on a daily basis even though you're not, even though the, the arrows, the doubt, the whatever, the, the arrows aren't coming at you or you don't feel the arrows necessarily, you still should be taking up that shield every day. We take up that shield of faith and we put on the belt of truth and make sure strong Christian which we talked about last week, and we'll, we'll talk more about. So the question is, faith in what provides protection? Okay, because the shield is obviously protecting us from the flaming arrows, which we'll talk about in a minute. But faith in what provides us protection? Okay, each issue that comes up regarding the shield of faith goes back to the character of God, or who is God. And I don't mean that every time we sin, uh, we're not putting up the shield of faith and saying who is God. Because like, sometimes there's like sins of rebellion, this or that. But a lot of things like, root back to not having the shield of faith and who is God. And definitely all the issues with the shield of faith go back to who is God. <clears throat> so I have a couple of examples for you. Example one, I have anxiety, which means I'm fearful, regardless of whether I'm willing to admit it or not about sickness, so I'm anxious about being sick. My mind goes to the worst course, like I have cancer or some life-threatening disease. This anxiety comes from a lack of faith in who God is. God is good despite my circumstances. God loves me despite the trials. And trials are good despite what I think. Example number two, I'm depressed because no one understands, no one really cares. I feel tired, I feel weak all the time. Life is not worth living. This depression comes from a lack of faith in who God is. God is comforter. God is near. He is with us. He's our friend and our Father. God understands us. He's the Creator who created me and put me where I am today. Example three, I get angry all the time. Why? Because people don't do things the right way. And they don't get what they deserve unless I give it to them. This anger comes from a lack of faith in who God is. God is all just. There's no partiality with God. God is completely just and there's no partiality with Him. Example four, I sometimes dread and fear the future. It's so unknown. And things get so grim, I can't stop thinking about the what-ifs of life and how they might impact my life forever in the future. This fear comes from a lack of faith in who God is. God is sovereign. He is in control at all times. God is love. He is not willing that any should perish. 
controls circumstances, life, and the world, and He loves everyone. Example number five. I'm ashamed of who I am, and all I want to do is hide under a rock. I feel completely worthless, like a failure and like an idiot. Nothing I do is good. This shame comes from a lack of faith in who God is. God is creator. He is designer. And He's perfect in what He does. He's designed me. He's created me for who I am. Knowing my weaknesses and my strengths. God is sovereign in my life and in the events that have brought me to where I am today. The reason that I can share all of these things, all of these examples, <clears throat> is because I've dealt with every single one of them, guys. I've dealt with every single one of these things. And every single time, I realize that I'm not near to God and I've forgotten how great my God is. I've forgotten who He is. Or, or I'm ignoring who He is. I'm not trusting who He is. <clears throat> this is who God is. There's a slide I've made with some things. Think about these things. God is protector. He's provider. God is a love. He's compassionate. He's kind. He's forgiving. He's sovereign over everything. He's all-powerful, completely just creator sustainer, fortress, friend, father. He's my guide. He's my helper. He's holy. He's on my side. He's not willing that any should perish. He's forced not against us. He's with us all the time. He's hater of sin. He's hater of evil. He's lover of good deeds and righteousness. So how do we wield the shield? How do we wield the shield? What does Romans 12, 1 and 2 say? It says to renew our minds. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We've got to renew our mind with who God is. Because if He is all these things, and He is, if He is who He says He is, and He is, I don't have to fear. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to have a sinful anger. Right? When talking about renewing the mind, I always use the chameleon versus the tadpole. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. The chameleon is always conformed. The chameleon conforms to the things around it, right? It's green when it's on a green leaf. It's brown when it's on a brown trunk. It conforms to the world around it. And the tadpole, despite the world around it, slowly, through a process, transforms into who God created that tadpole to be, which is a frog. And we, by the renewal of our mind on the truth of who God is, should be transformed into the image of Christ. But why? Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to renew our minds? Why has God made us that we have to renew our minds? Shouldn't we just automatically be transformed into the image of Christ once we believe in Jesus for eternal life? Well, the why is because God made our, our minds so awesome and so unique and so complex. He made our minds so that we can think, we can reason, we can process. And because He made our minds like that, and He gave us freedom to think, and He gave us freedom to sin, and sin entered the world, 
because of all that, we have to reason, think, renew our mind, process the truth in our minds and remind ourselves of it. Okay, if we are only allowing whatever naturally comes into our minds shape us, then we're neglecting our shield and not strengthening our arm to hold it up. If we're only allowing what the world says to come in and, and shape the truth, in quotation marks, the truth, in our life, if we're allowing that to shape it, then we're going to be believing lies. It's not going to actually be the truth. But if we're renewing, renewing our mind what is true, on what is right, on who God is, that's going to be oiling our shield. It's going to be practicing wielding our shield. And you know what? We're going to have that shield of faith and we're going to be able to block those arrows. Every single one of them, right? So here's a few things that I've found to be helpful when renewing my mind, to renew my mind on who God is. First one, reading the Word. Reading the Word. And, and not just some of the Word, not just the words you like. Reading, and I'm talking about the words is in the Word of God, the Bible. Uh, but all of it. Read all of it. Okay, I've shared this before. I'll share it again. I, I studied Habakkuk because we were going to teach Habakkuk. Why? I don't know. God just led me to teach it or whatever. But man, I never thought I'd find all this love and compassion and all these character qualities of God in Habakkuk. Like who knew Habakkuk is full of who God is? Who knew that by studying an Old Testament prophet, minor prophet, I can see all of this who God is. Okay, I, I studied, or I was going through, I was reading, I can't remember if I was reading or studying it, but it was like Joshua, kind of into Deuteronomy area, and uh, a lot of people, they hate reading that because uh, they think God is mean and uh, ruthless and barbaric in those chapters, in those uh, books, um, but it's because they don't read it. Guys, I, I, I've read it and I've studied it and I've looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. And the more I read it, the more I actually see God's compassion and His love. And yes, His justice. But His compassion, His love, His not willing that any should perish. I see that in Joshua and Deuteronomy. It's crazy. Read the Word of God. Read all of it. Okay, read all of it. Because the Word of God shows us who God is. Okay, next thing, studying the Word. Studying the Bible. It fits way better than you think. It fits way better than you think. There's times that I've been scared to read the Word because I don't know how it's going to fit. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to fit. I don't know if this is going to fit with the fact that God is love. I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, a, a quick example of that. Um, I was listening to a popular preacher at one point in... Um, now, as I was listening to him, uh, he was saying some things that, that were not true. But he was very popular, and I trusted him. And so I started being like, oh, no, I, the Bible doesn't fit right. And he was actually, I think, I think he was talking about irresistible grace. Okay, And uh, irresistible grace just means that when God offers you grace, uh, you have to accept it. Meaning that he essentially only offers salvation to those who believe in Him, meaning that He doesn't offer salvation to everyone. And so I began to get anxious and not even wanting to read the Word because, or study the Word because how can that be true? It doesn't fit. And I knew it didn't fit. 
And you know what? It doesn't. And that's okay because that guy was wrong. What do we know? We know that God's not willing that any should perish, that He loves every single person. Peter and John both say that and everywhere says that. Okay, And so we know, I start going through this and I start studying. I'm like, you know what? Irresistible grace isn't true. God offers grace to everyone. Jesus Christ is a propitiation not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. It fits. The Bible fits together, so study it. Okay, next one, memorize it. Memorize the Word. Okay, Jesus uh, used the sword of the Word, which we'll talk about next week, but He used the sword of the Word when temptations and arrows flew at Him. Memorize the Word of God. And that helps renew your mind on the truth and on who God is. Pray. Pray is the next one. Praying, especially thankfulness and praising. Telling God who He is. God, You are just, holy, perfect, loving, all-powerful, etc. And thanking God for what He's done in your life. Another one for me, listening, listening to worship music. Um, you know, worship music has such good lyrics in, there, in a lot of them, and a lot of them are so true. And so find a genre of worship uh, that you really like that praises God and listen to it. Listen to that, um, and you know what? That's going to be renewing your mind with who God is. Okay, reminding others. I like this one, reminding others of who God is. If I'm, if I'm like, hey, Gatlin, like, dude, this is who God is. This is who God is. He is holy and just and, and perfect and righteous and blah, 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 you know, on and on and on. If I'm reminding him or others or somebody who God is, that's renewing my mind with who God is. Right? And then talking, uh, talking it out with people when I feel the lie. When I feel those arrows flying, I mean, talking it out with people. Okay? And, and a lot of times, you know, as with the shield of faith, a lot of times we do ignore it and our shield of faith gets broken or whatever and then those arrows start hitting us those arrows of doubt or fear anxiety or whatever and you know i'm kind of going on a rabbit trail here but that doesn't mean we stop doing these things we should do all these things and i have a couple more i'm talking about but we should be doing all these things regardless of whether we've been ignoring our shield in the past or not um and so i might get be anxious or fearful or angry or depressed or whatever you know whatever it is that you're struggling with and I might be feeling that because for the past month and a half or two months I haven't been taking up my shield of faith I haven't been practicing with it well start now okay start now talk with some people be like hey I'm, I'm feeling this I'm feeling this doubt of let's just say that let's say I'm feeling the doubt that God created the world I don't think he created the world we'll talk with somebody about it you know and they'll be like hey talk with a good solid believer somebody who studied the word and they'll be like hey dude he did. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. This is who God is. This is who God is. And then, you know, that's going to help you, especially for me, even just talking it out. Sometimes I'll call people um, and just talk with them when I'm feeling this way, uh, when I'm feeling those arrows hitting me. Um, and I'll just call somebody and I'll talk to them or I'll talk to Haley or something and just talking it out, you know, that renews my mind with it because it's like I know the truth. You know, I, I, I know the truth. And so I just got to talk it out. Um, another thing might be thinking about how God has worked in the past. This is a big one, I think. You can look at the Old Testament. You can look at the New Testament, the Bible in general, see how God has worked in the past. You can also look at your own life and the lives of others and see, man, this is how God has showed up. This is who He is in my life. Like, I have a list, you know, and it's not an exhaustive list by any stretch or any, anything like that, but there's a list of some top things that God, have, God has done in my life, top areas where I've seen God work. One of them is like He moved me to Stillwater. I mean, the story is incredible. Why am I here? I have no idea. I, I have no idea why I moved here. 
Uh, but I did, and now I'm here, and God has worked in my life to get me to where I am. Um, you know, once when I was younger, I prayed for a skateboard, and the skateboard went on sale for the exact amount of money I had. And, like, stuff like that, like, write them down. Go back over and look at them and be like, man, this is how God's worked in my life. I know who God is. And then the final one is shouting at the lies. This one sounds kind of funny. But, uh, you know, those, those arrows are going to be coming at us. And I think part of putting up the shield of faith is being like, no. No, that's not right. I know it's not right. And my flesh wants to give in and be like, well, I should think about it. I should consider this lie. I should, I should weigh the options here of this lie and this truth. And, and that's not right. Like, I know it's true. I know it's true. And, th- and this is part of the reason why I think the belt of truth and the shield of faith go together hand in hand. And why I think that the shield of faith and the belt of truth, if you have them both, you got the makings of a strong, mature Christian. Because I know the truth, and if I know the truth, I can shout with that shield of faith. I can say, no, that's not true. No, God is love. No, God is just. No, God is perfect. No, heaven is awesome. No, death is not the end. No, God's already won the victory. He's already won the battle. You can, you can shout these truths back at the lie. And think about it. That's what Jesus did too, right? The devil's like, hey, what about this? And he said, like, you're using that in the wrong context, buddy. Here's what, here's what the Word of God says. You know, he's like, here's what the truth is. And uh, by the way, Jesus prepared. I'm not talking about fasting today, but he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Supernatural fast. Several supernatural fasts in the Bible. But he prepared by supernaturally fasting and getting spiritual strength in order that he could fight that battle. Uh, using his shield of faith, the sword of the word, the belt of truth, and all these things. Okay, so remember, this is not a one-time faith. Okay, I believe God is good. Okay, that doesn't mean that doubt won't creep in or that I won't ever be um, fearful or I won't ever have doubts that God's not good or whatever. You know, if, I, if I'm... And, and here's another thing. We... Like, well, I'll talk about that in a second. I'll talk about that in a second, okay? So, it's not a one-time thing, okay? This is a daily holding up God is good, daily holding up God is love, God is just, daily battle, daily renewal of the mind. We must remember who God is. And that's how we use a shield. That's how we wield the shield. Okay, and that's using it to protect, to protect us. And that's point number three, the protection of the shield. The protection of the uh, shield. Look at verse 16 again. So you'll be able to extinguish all. What's that word? All. All the flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay, the faith, the shield of faith doesn't protect us against a few or some. It protects us against all the arrows. All the arrows. Okay, all the arrows. Okay, and that's why we should take it up at all times. We didn't talk about this when we talked about wielding. I should have. But right there in the very beginning, it says, in addition to all, or some translations say even in everything, or in all circumstances, or in addition to all the pieces of armor, all the time. He's basically this idea of make sure you always got this shield of faith up. Always, always, always got this shield of faith up because it protects you from every single flaming arrow. Every single flaming arrow that's going to come at you. So what are the arrows? We're not going to take a lot of time on this. I know we're already uh, 
running out of time here, but what are the flaming arrows? Okay, they're the schemes of the devil. Look back at verse 11. Okay, look back at the end of verse 11. It says, and you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Schemes of the devil, flaming arrows, same thing, right? They're cleverly disguised lies. The devil is a liar. Okay, all those examples of lies that I talked about, um, those five examples, you know, that brought these negative results in our life, um, they're cleverly disguised lies. Okay, and the devil, I mean, he's not going to come at you and be like, hey, God is, uh, God hates you. Like, for the most part, you're going to be like, oh, that's, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not true. Right? It's going to be a cleverly disguised, using your circumstances or using something else in your life to kind of plant these seeds of doubt. And the root, the root of that may be God's not love. But you don't even see it. You don't even see it because it's cleverly disguised as a lie. It's cleverly disguised as a lie. And so we don't see it and it creeps in and it gets bigger. And we don't have that shield of faith up, so it's broken our shield. These arrows are hitting us, hitting us, and then the arrows really start coming. And they really start coming because we don't have a shield of faith up. The devil's clever. Okay? If everything God says is true, there's no reason to be fearful, no reason to be depressed, no reason to be have sinful anger. There's no reason to have any of these things because God is who He says He is. The devil always says, the devil's a liar, he always says, God is not. And you can leave it there or fill in the blank. God is not love. God is not just. Or God is not. He doesn't exist. If these circumstances around you are true, and they are, then God is not love. Not true. How can God be the provider if people starve, so this cleverly disguised lies. How, if this situation, if you're this sick and in this much pain, <laughs> there's no way that God is a God of comfort. If God is this, then why is this happening? See these lies, they creep in so easily. And it's like, wow, man. Wow, I... I guess, I guess God's not love. And then all of a sudden, you're doubting. Why? Because your shield of faith is not up, guys. Your shield of faith is not up. Because they're, they're lies. They're lies of the devil. Okay, it's a crazy thought, but despite what the devil shoots at you, you can have joy through faith. And you can have peace through faith. The sanctification faith that we're talking about. You can have joy and peace in it. And guess what? That's what God wants for you. And sometimes I've, I've doubted that too. I'm like, how does God want, if God really wants me to have joy and peace, wouldn't He give me an easy life? No, not necessarily. Right? And so, despite what you think, God wants you to have joy and peace in your life, and you can have joy and peace in your life. Okay, read the Word of God, study it, look at it. And figure out who God is. And you will soon realize that God wants you to have peace and joy in your life. He hates sin. He hates evil. He wants us to have perfect fellowship with Him. He wants us to have that peace, that joy. Despite anything 
or everything that's thrown at us in this life. That's who He wants. Or that's what He wants for us, for each of us. So what's the impact? Renew your mind. Renew your mind with who God is. Who is God? Do you know who He is? Take up your shield of faith. Do you know who God is? Do you know Him well enough that when a lie or an arrow flies at you, you can say, not true. I know who God is. In fact, He's proved it to me in this way. In fact, I've seen it in the Word of God in this way. Do you know God well enough to do that? Do you renew your mind on a daily basis enough to where you can say, well, no, I know God is truth. Jesus says He's the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. John uh, records Jesus praying that the Word of God is truth. So I know it's true. Do you know that uh, God is not willing that any should perish? Peter, in fact, says it. He says He's not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to change their mind and come to Him. That's what Peter says. Do you know that uh, the Scriptures say God is love? Do you know that Solomon is actually recorded to have said that God doesn't want anybody to physically die? That's not God's plan. Now, we all have to die, right, because of sin. But that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's doing. God doesn't want anybody to even die. He hates death. Do you, can you see the compassion of Jesus in John 11 when Jesus weeps? with Mary and Martha and the disciples and uh, Lazarus' friends because of Lazarus' death. He weeps with them despite knowing that he's going to raise him from the dead in a couple minutes or hours or whatever. Okay, And he's going to raise him from the dead soon. And he knows even if he died, he's better off. And despite the perfect God knowing all that, he still weeps because he has compassion on the people around him. Do we know who God is? Do you know who God is? And can you lift that shield of faith and wield it in a way that blocks those fiery darts from the devil that say God is not? Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.